Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show, November Cheltenham meeting and Punchestown preview sponsored by 888 Sport. On today's episode, we will hear what Ed Quigley has planned for his birthday weekend at Presbury Park. If you're going to town. Yeah, I'll be leaving the car at the race course and uh, yeah, about, about yeah, a three hour walk so. home. Yeah, that'll be that. What 888 Sport ambassador Barry Geraghty makes of star novice hurdler now going chasing Bob Ollinger. And reports are very good on his schooling. He's a point to point winner, so it should be natural for him to go jump fences. And you'll get some clues as to Andy Holding's best bet of the weekend in the Supreme Novice Trial. I think there'll be six or seven runners, and if you've got six to one in the can each way, that is an unbelievable bet. Delighted to be joined today on the show uh, by both Andy Holding and Ed Quigley, two regulars on the Odds Checker Betting Show. Great to see you both. We've got loads to get through, so I'm not going to um, do too much small talk, but fair to say you're both going to be at Cheltenham on Friday for the day's racing. Absolutely, yeah. George. Yeah, bring it up. Working, yeah. drinking. How, how far actually are you away from the track, Ed? Uh, with no traffic. He's about uh, to ask for a bed, I think. Uh, three, three, three minutes, 42 seconds to the main entrance. Uh, no traffic. I can, I can, I can get to the uh, the back entrance, uh, the other side, in, in about two and a half minutes. Yeah. So, um, But with race day traffic, that could become a lot longer. It'd be better off walking. So, yeah. <laughs> That'd be the... Uh... Yeah, I'm jealous. I haven't been haven't been to Cheltenham since. Uh, well, yeah, I don't have to say since what. Um, but we're going to get into the racing now. The way this is going to work is we're going to look through the card at Cheltenham on Friday, picking out a couple of selections. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Late on Thursday afternoon, it's going to go out Friday morning. So we're not going to spend too long on Friday because we know that a lot of people will listen to this or watch this on Saturday. Uh, we'll be welcoming uh, 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty uh, onto the show with us to preview Saturday's card at Cheltenham and a couple of races over at Punchestown. Then we're going to say farewell to Barry and just have a quick look forward to Sunday. Not in too much depth because we don't have final decks yet, but we'll have a look at the Morgiana and a couple of other bits and bobs as well. But let's get into the first race of the day. At Cheltenham, Ed, you'll be necking your, your Guinness from the, in the Arkle Bar, getting out there to make yeah. sure you don't miss it. Well, uh, it's, it's it's my birthday as well. I should probably throw that oh. in as well. So it's it's going to be a blend of yeah, work, play, form, study, drink. It, it, it could all I unravel. Hope, <laughs> is Andy coming for your birthday party? And I haven't been invited. Is that what's happened here? Yeah, I deleted you out of the WhatsApp group. Mate. Yeah, that's, that's what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the shame. I'm working anyway. I couldn't have come. Uh, right. So in the in the one ten. Uh, Andy, we're going to come to you here because we know you've got a fancy. We've got Scatman is the seven to two favourite ahead of Art Approval at eleven to two. Uh, Antaya six to one. Neon Moon fifteen to two. Eleven to one. Captain Black Pearl twelve to one. Bar currently uh, twenty runners here. Andy, what is your selection? What's your fancy? Yeah, I can see why Scatman's favourite because the horse that uh, Jane Williams is who chased him home at Newton Abbott advertised the form at Bangor yesterday, albeit over fences. So he, he was always going to be a popular choice, but as I've mentioned a couple of times in the podcast, um, I desperately want to get on board most of Fergal O'Brien's within reason. And I liked the run the other day of Art Approval uh, behind Guard Your Dream. That Guard Your Dream race was exceptionally fast uh, for the grade. Um, it was a good race, uh, but it wasn't like a top class race. But it was interesting that the sectional times for that compared with the two hurdle races on the card and there were two good hurdle races with substance um that race worked out really really well so i just want to make a note of anything that comes back here to cheltenham and um runs here at, at, the, at the paddy power meeting and, and art approval is the first one to represent that form line he, he kept on quite well from the back of the field he was he was ridden Almost with a view to, to this meeting, arguably, even though he was a nine or two shot, I, I didn't think he was ever really put in the race with a winning chance. Um, that was over two four. He's now stepping up to two five. He's got a really good record here in, at Cheltenham in general terms. Uh, he was second beyond Favour at, at this um, uh, meeting last year. Uh, sorry, the October meeting last year. And then he was a bit lucky in the two mile race won by um, Lovely Citizen when not getting the clearest runs after a bad mistake three out. So he's had plenty of practice around here. And I do like the fact that it's one of these conditional jockeys races where you want an informed pilot on board as well. And and I don't think there's many uh, conditionals riding as well as Liam Harrison at the moment. Uh, I think he's four from 11 in, his, in, in the last few days. So the combination of Fergal O'Brien, Liam Harrison and a horse who likes Cheltenham and ran in a very good time figure race here at the track last time. 
all points in the direction of him going really well here. Like I say, Scatman on Toller got lots of time for them, but they've never been around Cheltenham. And you've got to try and stick when you can with Cheltenham uh, form. So 11 to 2, art approval, five, six places. That'll do for me. Yeah, 11 to 2, best price, art approval, the sea of blue and odds checker. People copping on pretty early on. Uh, to Andy's selection. Uh, on to the second race of the day. Ed, I know this is where you have your strongest bet on the Friday, the birthday winner, let's hope. Um, it is the the handicap chase over two miles, and Magic Saint is the three to one favourite ahead of Stolen Silver at seven to two. Editor de Gitt at four to one, Capotoy eleven to two, then twelve to one bar, nine run. What's the selection? Yeah, I'm going for one at a bigger price here to roll back the ears. Spun Doran for Tom George, a uh, 10 year old now, but had a wind operation since last season. I just thought this is twofold, really. The horse has bombed out in the Grand Annual uh, back in the spring, but other than that, has a phenomenal record at this track. I think it has form figures of what are they? 2 uh, 1 2 2 3 at two miles around Presbury Park, including uh, when hacking up in this race three years ago, one by eight lengths, uh, could have been 18 lengths. Uh, went up to mark 160 uh, at his peak. Has tumbled all the way down now to 140. So he's only £2 higher than that win three years ago. He's £8 lower than when he was beating a neck in the Grand Annual as well. So he's starting to look really well treated. All his forms at Cheltenham, uh, they pursued this kind of two and a half mile route. He doesn't stay two and a half, uh, I think it's fair to say. Now, look, you've got to factor in the fact he is 10 and he could be gone. But you're getting a decent enough price to find out if the wind operation has worked, as I said, it to me, he's one of the best handicapped horses in the entire meeting. Uh, if the old fires do still burn, he loves this venue. He's been there and done it. And um, yeah, he'll definitely do for me because I, I don't think those towards the top of the uh, top of the market necessarily have that much in hand over the handicapper. So like Magic St. Percy, I think it's a little bit of a handicapping no man's land off 152 and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, going through him. So this is a horse, I said, who was winning a grade two at Kempton only 18 months ago. It was rated in the 160s, in here off 140, back at his favourite track. Um, yeah, he's the one for the uh, the diet lemonades on my birthday. <laughs> Bundaran, 16 to 1 best price if you hear an almighty scream when you're watching this on TV uh, as Bundaran hacks up by 8 legs could have been 18, you know exactly who it is uh, on then to the third race of the day which we're not going to preview as a betting heat because only two run in the novice chase uh, but one of them is My Drogo the other is Gin on Lime at 5 to 2 and Andy, I'm just going to come to you quickly here because I know that My Drogo is a horse that you are uh, it's in the notebook, let's say, for the season, even if we're not going to learn too much here. Yeah, I mean, he didn't go on like the five um, that we did um, yeah. last weekend, but he was only called at the last minute. Um, he was like number six. He, he, was, he was the next best. Um, and he, I think he's going to take a very, very high rank, isn't he, in the novice chase department. I, you'd be surprised if there was going to be a better one over this side of the RSC. So the Irish will have plenty of ammunition with the likes of Fernie Hollow and appreciate it. That you know that kind of that kind of horse. But um, Dan Skelton will already have probably three or four races on his mind, starting with this one, that he's going to plot all the way through the campaign mm. um, with a view to the Arkle. The Arkle has basically been his target for two years, and the fact that he missed last year's Cheltenham Festival kept him away from all the big targets, the tempting targets at Cheltenham when he was on a roll. I think I'll stand him in good stead. Couldn't have hoped for a better start. Just one opponent. So he gets a sight around Cheltenham without having the hustle of bustle mm. of other horses around him. He's no mug, by the way, Gin Online. Um, I've watched all these races over in Ireland. He's run through some good time figures. He jumps really well. He goes a good gallop. So this won't be an absolute, complete and utter cakewalk. Um but you'd still expect my Drogo's class to, to hold sway and, and come through. It'd be a bitter disappointment in summary if, if he didn't win. Uh, interesting to see my Drogo one to keep an eye on, but no mug, as Andy says, even if my Drogo is three on, uh, going to face some kind of a test, uh, both against the, the course itself uh, and the, the solo position too. Uh, Andy, we'll stick with you here for the uh, the penultimate race. We're going to cover now the Ballymore Novices Hurdle. Uh, obviously, with your time figures, often with these novice hurdles, your input can be can be pretty valuable. Uh, Jolino Bello is the eleven to eight favourite ahead of Off Your Rocco at eleven to four. Blazing Carl five to one, <clears throat> ten to one. Yeah, Kay Fernando in current mood twenty to one. Bar seven run again here. Uh, Andy, how do you see this? Yeah, I'd say if I was to have a specialist subject in the national atmosphere, it would be novices hurdles. 
Mm. Um, the time figures always l- l- guide me down the right path. I've got something that's done a good number, then that they very rarely let you down. Um, and, the, and the ones that I'm going to be back in here is off your Rocco. Um, his effort when he won at Listol was very, exceptionally good. I love the way he went through the line that day over two miles. He beat a horse called Farouk, who'd won very impressively the time before at the Galway Festival. Um, and he kicked him out of the ground very, very easily. He made slightly more harder work of things next time at Limerick. But um, he still got the job done. I, I, I didn't think he jumped the brush hurdles as well as, as he, he might. Uh, or he'd done um, the time before the normal conventional timber hurdles. And I think going left-handed is quite important to him as well. I didn't think he'd, like I say, he enjoyed going right-handed at Limerick. He always seemed to be meeting his flights on the wrong leg. Uh, but he still won, and he still knocked out another good time. Um, he's got the three of the four fastest time figures that we've got on our sheet. The only other one who would get sort of like shoehorns himself into there on the numbers is, is Jill Arnabella, the favourite. He clocked a good number at Aintree. And he was very strong at the finish. I've got a huge amount of respect for him. Um, he's, he's cut out the same cloth as Nappers Hill. Um, similar types, obviously, running well in bumpers last season. Um, and they look to be the two best nickels also so far this season in that department. So he's got a, a stern test with Jolino Bello. But 11-4 for off your Rocco. Hopefully, we'll look a decent price come 335. I'll be tentatively with Blazing Cow. Ah, yeah. Okay. Sort of go. The horse is really clicked staying up in trip. I've got, I've got to admit, uh, a lot of these races... I just get nervous. These unexposed tights suddenly improve eight to ten pounds for better ground. Yeah. Just the fact they're naturally progressing and they're young. So, um, yeah, no strong view on me. No bet. Um, I've kind of missed the price on Blazing Cow is what I'm trying to say. Uh, the horse was yeah. ten to one and the price is gone. So, yeah, no bet race for myself. We'll stick with you then for the lucky last at Cheltenham. <laughs> uh, the handicap hurdle. City Derby uh, is a seven to one favourite. Uh, eight to one, Brawson. Uh, Samba Dancer, nine to one. Shashenka, 10 to one with How Do You Like Me Now? 12 to one bar, Ed. Uh, you know, you, you said you're, you're filled with fear when it comes oh. to the novice hurdle. How does this make you feel? Well, actually, on a, I'm broadcasting out elsewhere today. I've, I've actually described this as um, the, the trickiest race to work out in the history of Cheltenham Race School. So I'm probably going <laughs> a, a bit far here, but I think odds compilers uh, have had a, a they're having migraines over this. I mean, this is ridiculous. You've got so many uh, last time out winners, horses arriving here on a sequence, progressive. Uh, I mean, where do you start, really, was the kind of way I went through it. I, I, I thought there was about eight or nine in here. I couldn't rule in or rule out. The, the one I kind of tentatively came down on, who's uh, for a good young trainer, Toby Laws, who used to be assistant to Nicky Henderson, was vocal Duke, who arrived here on a hat-trick and did it in good start, faking them last time out. Seemed to really enjoy some better ground. Gone up seven pounds for that, which is kind of the mantra for quite a lot of these, really, are coming in here <laughs> on winning sequences. So I thought that horse was double-figure uh, price. The yard had a couple of winners last week. And, yeah, I must admit, very tentative selection. If I'm relying on vocal Duke to win the uh, 300 uh, runner four o'clock uh, <laughs> on Saturday, then I'm, I'm in more trouble than just the uh, a couple of um, Coke Zero. So, yeah, it'll be, uh, yeah, he'll be for me. Um, it's tentative each way. Vocal Duke, 14 to 1, best price as it is. Uh, Andy, can you make a bit of a easier task of solving this? Hopefully, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a race I, I, I quite like. Um, and I quite like playing um, a couple against the field in a race like this, just to kind of keep my options open. Um, I did notice that Tony Martin sneakily got one in this mm. race. And he won this race back in 2013. I don't know if Ed remembers a horse called Quick Jack. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Who yeah. was probably one of the best-backed horses of the entire three days um, back in, back in the day. And I, yeah. I think he was about a four to one nine or two yeah, chance. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, it, 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 it and he, yeah. He, he got absolutely yeah. obliterated, and he yeah. won very very easily. Yeah. And, and the great man, who's in a bit better form than he was, um, you know, in the last two years, last two two three years recently, he's got a horse called Bell. Um, Belgo Prince, um, he's, he's jumped, his hurdle form is not anything to, to go to you know go to town with, but he won quite easily the day Navin on the flat. So knowing Tony Martin, he, he's probably had this plan from from quite a way out. So we've we've got to uh, keep an eye on him. But the, the two UK horses that come under my microscope with regards to figures and form, um, uh, Brawson is one of them. Now Martin Keithley's horses are in good nick at the moment. I have noticed that. I think he's had four winners in the last fortnight including um, a good one the other day at um, Huntingdon. And I think he's he's laid this 
Hull site for this meeting, uh, no doubt. He was third beyond all fruit and nuts. Uh, Bangman, a very good time figure um, on his uh, hurdling debut. And then he had a spin around Cheltenham the other day. He only found top bandit too good for him, who was one of those um, um, Davy Russell, Gordon Elliott combination uh, uh, novice hurdle winners that has been a regular occurrence in the last two or three seasons. But he stayed on very eye-catchingly all the way to the hill that day. He didn't go down without a fight. So I like his attitude. I think he'll run really well. And, and the other one to mention is uh, Man Insane, um, which um, is, is definite, definitely uh, a name which could be directed in my way um, after some of the tips I give out, give out on, on a daily basis. <laughs> Nonsense, Andy. But, um, yeah, it has been this week. But the third horse, <laughs> I did notice um, one of Nigel Hawks won at Taunton today. So I'd be keen to keep an eye on that form line because Charlie Longson, again, in the yard in good form, um, he, he, you know, he, he comes out of that that race with with flying colours because the figure was very good, and I like the way he was strong at the finish. He, he reminds me of Castle Robin a bit, who went up north early on in his career, run at Carlisle, places like that, uh, and then came back down south and did a number here last year, didn't he? he won the two mile five handicap on on the on the Sunday, um, and he's around about a twelve to one shot. So I'd probably be risking a few good on those two, um, Brawson and uh, Manning Sane, but. Tony Martin, he, he, rolling back the years, if, if he was to win this again, um, eight years on after, Quick Jack won it very easily. Yeah, Burger Prince is 14 to 1 as it stands. A few others in there, favourite mentions from, from Andy. Uh, that brings our Friday preview to a close. Here on to Saturday Racing Now, and delighted to be joined by a third expert guest for this uh, part of the preview, 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. Barry, happy memories of, of November at, at uh, Presbury Park? Yeah, over the years I've had plenty. Um, I suppose the first one was um, when I won the Paddy Power. It was then the Thomas Pink, um, and I won it on Cypher Malta 2002. So that was a nice spare ride to get, and uh, he was a brilliant horse to ride. So I had a great day that day. So my, my November meeting started off with good memories with him anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, over the years, yeah, good, but I never won the Great Wood. And I didn't win the Paddy Power again after that, so I got it early. Got in early. That's that's the important part. Get get the monkey off the back early doors. Uh, we'll get into the racing on Saturday. We're going to go through uh, the middle four races on the card at Cheltenham, and then we'll glance over at Punchdown as well. Uh, we're going to kick off with the 140, uh, the novice chase, uh, the two-mile novice chase, four run here, third time lucky is the two-on favourite ahead of Mick Pastor at 5-1, to one, Captain Tomcat 17-2, to two, and Sebastopol 14-1. to one. And, and Andy, with third time lucky, sure to be popular after that eye-catching uh, seasonal reappearance uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, at that price, can you understand why? Or is this a case of maybe falling into a bit of a trap with a bit of, um, you know, scintillating, at least on the eye, early season form? Yeah, I mean, he was spectacular, wasn't he, in every de- every department. Um, set his stall up from an early stage, jumped the fences, fantastic. Particularly at speed, the, you know, the one coming downhill and the two in the home straight, those tricky ones that come up, rat-a-tat-tat. It looked very proficient, looked as though he'd been doing all his life. Well-schooled, as a lot of Dan Skelton's horses always are. Um, he was their big uh, county hurdle project for last year. That didn't quite work out, but wind operation seems to have helped him. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's the kind of horse that really excites him, isn't he? I think he'll have a little bit more competition for the lead. I don't think he'll quite get a freebie as he had here last time out. Um, I think he caught one or two jockeys by surprise in how uh, attackingly he was ridden here um, a few weeks back. I think uh, Charlie Hammond will have something to say about it. Obviously, on Captain Tom Cat, who comes here off the back of an all-the-way victory at um, Wincanter when he put Mick Pasta uh, through his paces and, and found more for pressure. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the only thing or flaw, chink in the armoury I could see with, with third time lucky. If he does see off Captain Tomcat early doors and he gets a good, to a good rhythm, I, I'd imagine he'll justify favouritism. And even if he's ridden in behind, I mean, let's face it, most of his hold up, and his performances as a novice were, were, were held up anyway, then he's got that string to his bow. So, barring accidents, you'd like to see him, you'd like to think that he could uh, repeat the dose and, and follow up that win. But, yeah. Was he two to five? I mean, nobody's bargain, I suppose. Yeah, two one. Yeah, <laughs> probably put it in a, in a double with uh, with uh, the skeleton other horse, my Drogo. But even that's gone to a two runner race now, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> On the Friday. Yeah, I mean, but Barry. Obviously, a lot of people would be happy um, to back 
third time lucky at, at this price, given we've already seen him do what he did at Cheltenham. How important is it when, when you've got a horse, especially at Cheltenham, who you know goes right at the track? Well, it's definitely, it's one thing off your list that you don't need to worry about when you do handle the track as well as he did and jump as well as he did, because it is one of the trickiest tracks in England or Ireland. And just at the pace of the race and the intensity, even at a lower level, which it was the last day, there's still a lot of pace and it's competitive. So um, he'd be better for that experience, but he, he took really well to the track. And being honest, I think if um, if Captain Tomcat goes on, I think that would suit third time lucky. He'd be better with a lead and produce later for speed because he has a lot of class and a lot of pace. So he's better than these, but he's going to meet stronger opposition as the season progresses. Yeah, he will. Uh, Ed, can you can you find any angle here? Not really. Like he's, he looks superior from what we've seen. Um, only thing I would say is I, I think he's priced up as though this is an absolute cakewalk. On official figures, uh, there's a bit more in it than perhaps meets the eye. You know, it, Mick Pastor's rated 147. Uh, to Captain Tom Cut 144. You know, this is not a case of just run out and jump round. But it's I don't think he's going to win 20 lengths uh, on the schnaff like he did at the October meeting. There's a little bit more on his plate here. You know, out of Mick Pastor and Captain Tomcat, I actually fancy Mick Pastor to reverse the form of it. I think that's a horse with Barry would know quite well. I think he's a bit more about speed and doesn't often find a great deal off the bridle. And he, he looked, I thought, like he was going to win the Rising Stars over two and a half last time out before his legs went like jelly in the closing stages. I expect him to be kind of smuggled into it from off the pace uh, to kind of pick up the pieces. So I do think he gets a five pound pull with uh, Captain Tom and coming back down in trip. I could see why uh, Mick Pastor's uh, uh, kind of, well, he's shorter in the market than Captain Tom But yeah, I think mm. there'll be a lot of pace on here. I mean, Sylvester Pole's got form over three miles, hasn't he? Captain Tom likes to get on with things. Uh, he stays two and a half. So it's not going to be in their interest to kind of dawdle. Um, uh, but then all in all, I think it will set it up for third time. Lucky to come through and win. And I expect Mick Pastor to kind of be racing the ambulance and um, pick off some nice uh, second place prize money at the running, basically. So he'd be a he'd be a, the tentative one for forecast selectors. But um, yeah, third time lucky. Uh, I expect all the uh, hyperbole article quotes to go into overdrive on the back of this. <laughs> yeah. So basically what we're saying is the market's got this one right. So we'll move on to the 215, which is the Paddy Power Gold Cup. Handicap Chase, and we've got joint favourites at the top of the market. Uh, Protectorat and Layla are six to one joint favourites. Al Dancer, eight to one. Midnight Shadow, ten to one. Twelve to one. Zanza and Caribbean Boy and Galahad Quest, uh, also the same price. Simply the bets, one of these horses that's moved over from Harry Whittington's over to Paul Nichols. Will be interesting to see how they, they get on. Rouge Viff and uh, St. Calvados as well. Nietzsche, also sixteen to one. Cool Cody, sixteen to one. Twenty to one. Bar uh, and Andy, I'll come to you first to try and make sense of this one. Yeah, I, I can see why anti-post punters have been going uh, wild about Laylor. It's just the kind of horse that seduces certain men, members of the betting fraternity. Ex-Katie Woolacott, first run for Paul Nichols, first time um, wind up, first time up after after wind up. Obviously, good for Cheltenham, Cheltenham Festival, Festival form back, back in the day. His price stinks for me. I, I, I couldn't really make him a nine or two, five to one shot. I think this is way, way more wide open than that meets the eye. And he's a nine-year-old as well. And you, you wouldn't want to be much older than that. I mean, I think the last, I don't think a ten-year-old's won it since 1975. Nine-year-old just about make the grade. Cool, cold. He won it last year as a, as a nine-year-old. But generally speaking, you want to be looking at younger, fresher legs like seven and eight-year-olds. Um, normally, I let the ball come onto the bat when, in a race like this. Um, I tend not to do too much overstudying, and and the one that just jumped out for me as soon as I looked at this race in the anti-post and when he was entered was Al Dancer. Um, you know, he, he's he's similar to to Laylor in many respects because he's now Emmy's first run for a different trainer, but mm. he has gone to a yard and an operation which clearly mean business this season. They've campaigned their horses differently, and we saw in uh, before midnight at the first meeting in October just how good Sam Thomas and how far he's come in the space of a very short space of time. And he's inherited a horse from the Twist and Dose stable that's got an amazing record first time out. I think mm. every time he's had a break of over 100 days or more, he's won. And I think that stretches back now for four seasons. Um, they, they they gave him a prep run last year, but in hindsight, he probably didn't need one. They should have probably, perhaps just come straight to the to the paddy pad. But all, all you know, that aside, he still ran well. He finished third, but the ground was bottomless last year, and it just probably sucked the life out of him. I think he wants genuine nice ground. 
which to all intents and purposes should get Saturday. I think it's going to be good, good to soft in places, which is absolutely bang on for him. Um, he still races off a good mob, but he loves Cheltenham, which is it's an absolute prerequisite. Everyone knows that. Most of the winners of the Paddy Power have got brilliant form around Cheltenham. That goes without saying. Um, and he ticks every single box to look for, look for. In form yard, horse goes well fresh, loves this kind of hustle and bustle of race. And he's ridden, for me, pound for pound, one of the best chase jockeys around in these kind of events, Sam Twist and Davis. So um, if I can get sort of the price that he is currently on Saturday with maybe six places available, it's hard to see with a clear round Al Dance not giving him a massive run for my money. So I'm not even going to mention another horse and, and just um, <laughs> put him forward as my, my, my bet in the race. Yeah, Al Dance are currently eight to one best price. A few firms already sticking their neck out and going six places. So do keep an eye out on that as well. So a pretty strong selection there for Andy. He's, he's solved it already. So Barry, I, I don't know what else, what else you can really add, but uh, <laughs> maybe you can shed your insight on the race. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a tricky enough race because I don't think there's massive strength and depth. Um, and Al Dancer is definitely a progressive type and one I would like. Um, he's a very keen going horse and I'd said the really soft ground last year didn't suit. Um, he just wouldn't have got home so well. Um, so I think he has a big shout. Lawler, on the other hand, I suppose I'm, I would look at him as maybe the Paul Nichols um, switch. Is that going to bring the improvement? He's had a first-time wind up, first-time tongue tie. He had a good run in Cheltenham back in January. So I think he is a big player. Um, Protector Rat has good form in the book, but top weight, I think it's a big call for him. He was a smart horse last season, but he wasn't top level. And um, it's just a very tricky race, but I would I would like um I'll answer and maybe another sneaky one who had a good run in entry last season at the festival is Dustin Phil, who was second to uh Gary Moorhorse. He could be a little each way shout. Um but it's 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 a very tricky race. Dustin Phil twenty to one best price as it stands, Ed. Well, yeah, Andy said this is a race where he's let the ball come onto the bat. Well, I've been um, I've been throwing mud at the wall or whatever you want to say. Well, there's a load of phrases. I've been time ahead in knots over this contest for the last uh, few weeks. I basically, I think this is incredibly difficult, to be honest with you. I actually slightly disagree with Barry. I think there is a, a lot of depth in it for the fact that there's no kind of real standout second season novice. So it kind of throws them all into the, a similar kind of ballpark, if you like. And who's seven or eight pound better on the day, uh, I, I think it's pretty hard to work out. I mean, to summarise... I got them down to a short list of four, two which I've gone off due to their prices, one being Layla, who was 20 to one four weeks ago. Now mm. it's obviously been absolutely carted off the park. It's just totally the wrong price now, if you see what I'm saying. All, all value's gone in that. Uh, Nisha was never one for Brian Ellison, I thought was, again, a week ago was 40 to one. He's now 16. So I've had to bin that on price grounds. There's only a pound higher uh, than when last successful tanked round in the Ultima till about three out and then legs went like jelly on soft ground over three miles. Back to two and a half. I thought that previous Great Wood Hurdle winner would have a squeak. So they're the, they're the kind of two I'm, I'm kind of resentfully putting a line through. So I've come down to two V to fill. One of them was in my horses to follow last week, which is Dayanda Kayak, where I I mentioned connections were going to hunt the ground rather than the race. And, you know, being my, yeah, the resident Michael Fish here, you know, other than a bit of rain last night, it's, it's, it's pretty much been dry for the whole of November, which is something to bear in mind with this meeting and this race especially. Uh, you know, the, the years of kind of Tranquil Sea and uh, Alpha Rav and Takandasoy and jockeys wearing three pairs of goggles and all that. It, it's not going to be anything like that this year. Uh, it's, it's a mixture of good. I mean, they've had to water it at the start of the week just to take the sting out of it. So it's going to be a, a mixture of good and good to soft. And so that's something to bear in mind. And my, so my two meter field today and a kayak, as I mentioned last week's show, very well handicapped horse. He's got his ground. And I think he's a he's a big old price. And Caribbean boy for Nicky Henderson's uh, one of interest because he produced his best performance last season, first time out fresh on good ground uh, when he thumped Fiddler on the roof. And that form subsequently doesn't look too bad with that horse coming out and winning Colin Parker. After that, it all went wrong in bottomless ground and he didn't take to the national fences and they messed around with him trips. And first time out, he's going to get his ground. He slipped down to a mark of 148. Uh, I wonder whether he's now, he's becoming a bit of a betting proposition. So yeah, long-winded, convoluted, but I'm basically going to V the field. Caribbean boy and Dayan the kayak and just uh, fingers crossed. Um, you know, not I want a horse to get beaten, but yeah, Layla wouldn't shock me with the uh, the transition to Paul Nichols if that horse improved seven or eight pounds and, and he's got him spot on for the day. 
Caribbean boy, 12 to 1 best price. Dayan Dekayak is 33 to 1 as it stands. Big price there for Ed. Uh, on then to the 250. And Ed, I'll stick with you um, for the handicap hurdle, the listed handicap hurdle, where Prashima is the 11 to 4 favourite ahead of Bally Milsey at 5 to 1. Dragon Bones, 11 to 2. Kansas City Chief, 9 to 1. Uh, 10 to 1 bar. Uh, Ed, over to you. Yeah, I've had a, a bet on the bar here. One of um, Barry's old friends is Sporting John. I thought was real interest uh, back over hurdles after the wind up. I mean, he was the, uh, the flukiest winner of the silly Isles chase. You ever see, if you remember that race back in uh, Sandown in February, I think Hitman foul, uh, Nicky Henderson's mare unseated. Shamblu uh, was leading all the way and then uh, touched odds on him running. Then his legs, um, the pet- petrolite came on up Sandown <laughs> Hill in, in heavy ground. And uh, Richard Johnson was on Sporting John and he pretty much hit everything, which picked up the pieces and stayed on stayed on the running. It, the, I, he's just not a natural chaser. He's jumping fell apart in the uh, what was the RSA. And again, after that, back over hurdles off 146. You know, he, he was sent off second favourite to beat Envoy Allen in the Ballymore a couple of seasons ago. He's still very lightly raced. The wind ops worked. Put it this way, it's the easiest race on paper he's raced in for two years into handicap company over hurdles. Uh, they're the kind of horses with the back class at double figure prices, which make my eyes light up. And as I said, he's still young. Uh, he may have bigger targets ahead of him, but uh, I, I thought the move back over hurdles was positive. So, yeah, double figure price, Sporting John for me. Sporting John, 10 to 1 best price. And Barry, you were sitting on Sporting John when he went off second favourite behind Envoy Allen back in, in March 2020. And he's also sat on him for three wins to get to that point as well. So any thoughts on, on Ed's pick there? Oh, no, definitely. He would he would be worth a chance. And, the, the you know, starting off at this trip, I think is ideal for him. You know, it's close to three mile. I think that's up the street. Um, he was a very smart novice hurdler, but for whatever reason, he didn't turn up at the festival. So that wasn't as true running. Um, so he probably hasn't achieved, um, you know, he hasn't fulfilled his full potential over hurdles. So he he's arguably he could be, he's seven pound well in over hurdles compared to fences and he could be seven or eight pound well in. And at, at this level, he's better, I think, top weight in, a, in this kind of handicap than in a more um, competitive one down the weights a bit. So I think he definitely has a big chance of the rest. I thought Dragon Bones was one who had a great run last time. Um, Ian Williams knows how to get one ready and I thought it was a good one last time and he could be involved Yeah, Dragon Burns, as I said 11-2 to two best price as it stands another one to keep an eye on Andy? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm following the great man in here with uh, with one of his picks there um, Dragon Burns um, uh, me and Ed were quite keen uh, on Barden Stan Lad uh, no, sorry, me and Rory beg your pardon mm. Rory, when, when we covered the October meeting Ed will claim it as well yeah, it's good to say, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure he fancied it as well. Um, he looks strong form, that Barnstown lad, based on what he'd done in Ireland. And it wasn't a great surprise that he justified a good uh, deal of support in beating Dragon Bones. He's just a very, very strong stayer, that John McConnell horse. He's a horse similar to Streets of Doyen that might end up back at the festival in the Albert Bartlett. So I think Dragon Bones just bumped into one. But Sort of going down to two out, you're looking in your wing mirrors and thinking, oh, God, if you'd back Barden's down, boy, and he was flat to the board, you think, God, Dragon Bones going to go and pick him up. Um, he didn't materialise, but Dragon Bones, to be fair to him, saw the trip out absolutely fine. He took us out. He just bumped into a stronger stare on the day. Um, he's come out of that race rated 132 still, which is more than workable. He's lightly raced. We know he now likes Cheltenham, which is great. It's a feather in his cap. Ground's going to be similar to what it was here 20-odd um, days ago. Uh, and I'd have to flag up on a gathering storm as well, who faded out of contention in the end, finished third. He only got beat eight lengths, but that was his first run for 161 days. So he's probably more entitled to need the run than the front two who had had a recent run. And we know the Fergalow Brian star, but it's absolutely, you know, knocking the ball out of the park. There's so many trainers at the moment who are in good nick, but I think Fergal's probably leading the way with the strike rate at the moment. Mm. And you can bet your bottom dollar he'll have his, uh, all his horses revved up for this meeting. So I'd want to keep quite a few of Fergal's on side that have been around the track and he's one of them. So I'd probably stake this race accordingly. I'd, I'd have more on Dragon Bones, probably because he's he's beat the other one. But um, I'd, I'd have to have a little bit of a saver on, on the Gathering Storm as well. That'd be my two against the field. On the Gathering Storm, 10 to 1 best price for Dragon Bones, getting a double nod there from Andy and from Barry. Uh, Ed going for Sporting John, an old mate of Barry's as well. So 
uh, a lot of harmony there between your guys' picks uh, in that one. Uh, going now into the final race, we're going to preview on the Saturday at Cheltenham in this kind of whistle-stop tour of the weekend's racing. Uh, and it is the handicap hurdle over two miles and five furlongs where Unexpected Party is 130 favourite. Although McElduff, a lot of money in for McElduff today, all blue on odds checker, seven or two best price as it stands. Benson, eight to one. Good time, Johnny and Gal Rhodes, both 10 to one, uh, 12 to one bar and uh, Barry I'll give you first run here for the for the last race we're going to be covering at Cheltenham. It, it looks competitive but for me I suppose with the skeleton horse you talk about Fergal O'Brien's been in good form but the skeletons are on fire um, and I thought Unexpected Party was a good winner last time and he would be my choice. Unexpected Party there the favourite Barry's choice at 130 you mentioned the skeletons in good form another yard in good form Andy uh, is Ollie Murphy seems to have a lot of horses after a disappointing end to last uh, season. A lot of our handicap horses, and this McElduff could be another. Yeah, but, um, indicative with how a lot of Ollie's horses are performing at the moment. They're all going well on on this good ground that we've been having, and McElduff's mm. proven on such a surface as he showed at Aintree last time. I went through the race like a, a well handicapped horse and stayed on quite strongly. Um, I think I think the one thing that we don't know with quite a lot of these um, is how they're going to get on on a stiffer track. A lot of them in running round, you know, your, your, your speedier tracks, if you like. Um, unexpected party went through the race really strongly the day at uh, Weatherby, but obviously got to run over an undulating track here. So it was McElduff. Um, I always tend to kind of look at whatever Brian Ellison runs in these handicap hurdles. He's got an amazing record in, in the Great Wood. Um, I think he might have. Did he win it with Nietzsche? I know Nietzsche has yeah, been placed yeah. in it quite mm. a few times. Yeah. yeah. And and he's got a nice horse, um, Puxatoni Phil, right down the bottom, who's got in, I think, off a mark of what looks fairly leading, so of 113. Uh, he got beat by a nice horse of John McConnell's at um, Perth um, in, in the autumn uh, called uh, Clondor Hollow. And um, he gained compensation last time with a fairly facile victory, etc. Now, these tracks, obviously, you know, you'd. You, you, He's, he's learned his trade and he's now got to prove on a, on a bigger stage. But I, I do think there's quite a bit of potential with him. He, he looks a strong stayer to me. I, I like his mind. Uh, and I think he ties in with similar kind of form lines to, to the to the likes of Unexpected Party. And yet he's available to back at 12 to 1. Um, I, I think he's he's a dangerous floater there right down at the bottom. So a race I've got a, a massively strong view. I'm stronger on other races than this one. But um, I do like that horse, so he, he'd be one I'd look at at a price. 16 to 1, Andy. Wow, 16 to is, 1. That is a big price, that is. Like I, say, I, think, I think there's plenty of wiggle room there for a mark of 113. I think he'll end up being much better than that. Whether there's all the better handicapped horses in this race, because there could be quite a few, remains to be seen. But he'll definitely punch above his weight, there's no doubt about that in my mind. Ed, any thoughts? Yeah, I haven't got involved yet, but I've had a horse in my, my tracker for some time. It's Ben Pauling's trained Severance, who looks an absolute machine on his hurdling debut. He was a, a fair flat horse, as to be said, and then uh, bolted up in it. It was a Carlisle maiden, that it was no great shakes, but uh, one head in chest on that occasion. Then went up in grade and um, found the life a little bit tough, but grand benefit of hindsight, fa- found his way in behind some pretty good horses in defeat. Likes to do your job. He went on to win in the grade when it ain't tree. Funny enough, he was third. It's the third time lucky uh, when last seed, admittedly well beaten it, Captain. Uh, handicapping with Hood on off a mark of 127. He, he's a bit of a joke in the pack because of the raw ability is clearly there. Uh, we saw that on his ability uh, from his the ability he showed on his debut. He's clearly got his own ideas about the game. So um, maybe a bit better ground being next flat horse with the Hood on. It might calm him down. So he's one if I can yeah, get kind of 16 to 1 or bigger. I might roll the dice on. But yeah, not anything I've got involved in yet. The, the, the horse that he beat... Um, at um, Carlisle when you mentioned that day and he, he knocked out a really good time as one since hasn't he Ed uh, was it Bass Rock Bass Rock yeah uh, Sandy Thompson's horse yeah he loved yeah, the colours yeah. of, a, of a hot pot the other day at Carlisle yeah. and I, I do know that Ben was absolutely um, mortified how bad um, Severance ran the next day because I yeah. I told him it was a good time figure and he, 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 he all fell apart for him the next day but yeah that's, a, that's an interesting run of that yeah, bit of bit of an unknown quantity, but then I, I like those unknown quantities when they're uh, floating around at nice prices. You know what I'm saying? So uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll uh, yeah, might take the chance with that one. 
Severance there, uh, 14 to 1 uh, for Ed's best price at the moment. Uh, we're going to go over the Irish Sea now to punch down a couple of races. We're going to preview there. And first is the first race on the card, the beginner's chase. And the first time, first opportunity we'll have to see Bob Ollinger, the Ballymore winner, in such impressive fashion, taking on the bigger obstacles for the first time. And, and Barry, I'm guessing you know, it, it's impossible to be any more impressed by what Bob Ollinger did uh, last season. Uh, how excited are you to see him going over, going chasing? Oh, definitely. It couldn't be any more impressed than he was. Um, he was a brilliant winner um, and one of the standouts of the meeting. Um, reports are very good on his schooling. He's a point-to-point winner. So he's, for me, he's, he's, it's, it should be natural for him to go jumping fences. Um, so definitely one step forward. French Dynamite would look to be the main opposition, but he's also owned by Rock Corps. So whether um, both will turn up, but um, you'd, you'd imagine Bob Ollinger will be the pick of those two. He looks head and shoulders above everything and punches on as a nice place to start. Um, and as I say, he's got that point-to-point experience and generally Henry's are brilliant to jump and are well-prepared first time. So, no, he should be very hard to beat. Andy, we've seen Ballymore winners recently not necessarily live up to it in second seasons. You know, we've got Sam Crow, uh, Envoy Allen obviously having a difficult uh, end of the campaign last season. Is Is there any way we can, you know, Bollinger's two to seven here. It might not be this time around, but can you see any reason why he won't progress into a, a star chaser? Not really. I mean, it's only his exuberance, um, which was there for all to see in in the the Ballymore, which might be his undoing. But I think I think he'll calm down as time goes on. Um, and obviously, he's, you know, chasing was always going to be his game. That they could have sent him over hurdles for another campaign, what race they would have ended up, they could have either gone back down um, to, to, to even a champion hurdle. He's, he's got that much speed. And doing Isterbrack, because Isterbrack won the Ballymore before mm. winning the champion hurdle two or three times on the spin. So it, it wouldn't have been beyond the realms of possibility that Henry de Bromhead's um, Gelding could have done that. But obviously with Honeysuckle in the yard, they think, well, can we beat that? Probably not. So I think they've probably done the right thing. It's going to be a case to hold your breath out of the first two fences because I think if he, he clears them okay and doesn't do a bally Adam and headbutt the first fence, then he, he should be okay. Um, I think he's probably going to be in a lot of punters' tend to follow lists as well. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's an exciting prospect. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Um, obviously, Mr. Incredible did okay for him the other day. That that was a good starting point for him. And it, I think the stable is obviously you know, chock full of, of that kind of horse for the, for the remainder of the season. But Bob Ollinger has got to be the number one, isn't it, from that yard? Mm. I mean, Ed, is there any each way plays? Can we see anything getting close to him on, on Saturday? Uh, I wouldn't know, to be honest with you. I'm like, just <laughs> looking forward to seeing this horse. Uh, you know, uh, it, now and again, you get a horse really excites you. And he was the one that... Um, he was interested in listening to Harry Cobden from the uh, from the Ballymore when he was on uh, Brave Man's Game, and you know he said he thought he was going a fair old lick turning into the home straight, and then uh, I just saw this thing go past him as if he was just stood still in a lift. He said, "So yeah, I mean it was a uh, he's a, he's got serious turbo." I mean, there's only one thing to mention, which is worth mentioning. So I will I flagged up, so I will mention it is the fact that the ground it punched down. I mean, it's good to yielding on the listening to the updates of the course. It's almost good, which is almost unheard of at this time of year at that meeting, and. If you do look at all Bob Ollinger's form from last year, I mean, he raced exclusively on soft, softer heavy until the festival, uh, where I believe was it good to soft, soft in places. So at least if you're trying to find something that's slightly different scenario for him, it's going to be the quickest ground he's ever raced on under rules. And whether that poses something slightly different of him, I wouldn't know. But he looks to be such a nice moving horse. I wouldn't have thought naturally to my eye that would be too much of a trouble. So, yeah, hopefully he wins this, goes on to bigger and better things. Uh, really, really exciting horse in the National Hunt game. Absolutely. Two to seven, the price at the moment. Uh, the last race we're going to cover is the second race at Punchdown on Saturday. Uh, and that is the uh, the novice chase, the grade two novice chase, just over an extended two miles where Cape Gentleman is the 10 to 11 favourite ahead of Riviere to tell at four to one. Buddy Rich and Embittered, both five to one. Take all, 11 to one, 50 to one, the last two. Seven runners, Andy. Disgraceful with a 10 to 11 favourite. But um, how do you see this as it stands with the, those early prices out now? Yes, it always uh, pains me to be previewing a race where there's only seven runners in. Um, I'm forced down a route that I don't normally like to do, and that's offer a, a, a win-only bet. But, um, yeah, Kate Gentleman ticks all the boxes you look for. He, he obviously likes going right-handed. Um, they flirted with going left-handed. It didn't quite work, did it, last year over hurdles. But his last two performances over fences have been breathtaking. I actually thought he might struggle the other day at Cork. The ground was pretty soft, and I wouldn't have had him down as a, a soft-ground 
slugger for want of a better word because it, it became mm. more of a test the other day um, and he, he was up to the job I mean he beat a decent field I thought there was you know good strength in depth there was good money around for one of Paul Burns um, the, the name escapes and I think Noble Yates who had won well at Galway the first day and he had him in trouble a long way out and the feature about Cape Gentleman as well is he's jumping he's so slick from A to B he's really really a good operator and this better ground is just tailor-made for someone who jumps really well. And I'd imagine he'd be off in front and, and doing his own thing. It's not an absolute penalty kick, because obviously Embittered will have something to say. He, he's, he's a good horse around the track. Um, a horse that's you know, been run well at the last two Cheltenham festivals. Riviera details a really nice mare, receiving all the, the allowances for a four-year-old uh, mare. She's right down the foot. Uh, she, she's no back number either. And obviously Buddy Rich got his day in the sun last last weekend. There's no fluke about that performance either. So he, there is a little bit of strength in depth in here, but I'd have to go with Cap Gentleman. Um, I, I think he's uh, he's technical, standing in good stead. Cap Gentleman, ten to eleven, the one for Andy. Uh, odds on favourite there, Barry. Can you pick any holes in in the Fav? No, I don't think so. I think he's very strong. He was brilliant in Cork. Jumped really well. Travelled strongly. So it's it's straightforward for him. He can just pop out and school away. Um, as regards the opposition. Buddy Rich was behind him. I know Buddy Rich beat Bally Adam, but that's questionable. I'm not sure we saw Bally Adam at his best. Um, Embittered is a good horse, but he's two from 10 over fences. So he's had enough chances. Um, but now for me, Cape Gentleman, for what he's done, both over hurdles and fences, I think he's a very good horse. Ed, point and shoot. Yeah, very hard. I mean, the Emmett Mullins team, very hard to look beyond Cape Gentleman. The Emmett Mullins team are on fire. Uh, if I was going to try and find a negative about uh, an odds on favour, it would be the fact this is his third run in four and a half weeks. And it was a deep ground last time out. You know, you do just wonder at some point, does that kind of 10%, that little bit of freshness just go off and suddenly they look a bit jaded. But uh, I just think he looks the class act. Uh, expected to win this, then whether they then give the horse a little bit of a break during the deep kind of winter ground, I'm not sure what the plans are yet. I mean, the ground was really lively. I remember when he went at Kempton over hurdles last season. I mean, the, the times, I'm sure Andy back up were absolutely rapid and he seemed very happy there. So I don't think deep winter ground with the longer view would probably be the ideal scenario for him. So probably making hay now, if that makes sense, before putting him away. So yeah, Cape Gentleman for me. And yeah, Buddy Rich has become like the uh, Jim Boljab poetic flair, didn't he, on the flat? He seemed to run every four days last season during the um and uh yeah buddy rich is, is kind of heading that way i reckon he'll probably jump around in second again but yeah cape gentleman looks a looks a class act and don't cape get gentleman. sucked into any anti-post uh, quotes for cape gentleman for the festival because there's more than more than a decent chance that he'll stay on home soil and run at the likes of punchestown and fairy house in the mm. spring mm. going right-handed rather than coming over to the festival because i don't think cheltenham really will suit him possibly the, the sagest advice you'll get on this podcast don't be don't be tempted in by those quotes uh, if he does win well here on Saturday. Uh, we're now going to preview Sunday, but before we do so, going to let you go, Barry. Uh, thanks very much to Barry Garrity, 888 Sport Ambassador, for joining us. He'll be back with us next weekend, ahead of next weekend as well, to preview the weekend's racing. Yes, boys. Thank you. Time now to look quickly ahead to Sunday's racing. Uh, we are recording this at about five o'clock on Thursday afternoon, so this is going to age quite quickly. A bit of guesswork will be going on in terms of, of who runs where because we haven't got final decks, but we thought we'd rather get some kind of a preview in for you guys rather than ignoring it altogether because there is some cracking racing both at Cheltenham and over in Ireland at Punchestown. And we're going to kick off with the Schlur chase where I put the kettle on. Uh, champion chaser is seven to four favourite ahead of Nuba Negra at two to one. Sky Pirate, nine to two. Politolog, five to one. Paul Nichols saying today, you couldn't believe the price this morning uh, of Politolog when we've heard that before. Uh, Rouge Viff, 15 to two. And Bun Doran, 50 to 1. Uh, we've spoken about Bandoran already, Ed. Uh, I don't think he's going to factor into our considerations here necessarily, but looking at the card now as it stands, where can you find mm. the value in the Schlur? Very good question. I mean, uh, we moan about small fields, but I'm not moaning when they're this quality, are they? Yeah, the 1 2 from the champion chase, previous champion chase winner, uh, Politolog, uh, Rouge Vif nearly broke the course record in a two mile handicap last year, and ground should be absolutely spot on for him. And uh, I'm tentatively. With Sky Pirate, just because I think there could be a right old pace burn up on here, and he's got race fitness on his side. Uh, a few of these, uh, the cynical side of me, uh, just wonders whether uh, they might be having their eye in before the Tingle Creek in three weeks' time, and perhaps they'll be coming here 85%. But uh, look, I mean, on balance of probability, you've got, I suppose, put the kettle on. She's never lost a race here, has she? She's the champion chaser. But uh, I find this 
this is just an enthralling spectacle of two mile national hunt chasing. Uh, I don't have a strong view, but uh, I think Sky Pirate is a strong traveller. Doesn't always find perhaps as much as you think, but I think he'll be ridden off the pace. To, he's always jumps and travels well, and he'll come with a come with a late rattle. But uh, just to race, to be honest with you, I'll have a, a stinging hangover by this point, so I'll um, <laughs> I'll be just looking forward to watching it. This is just if you can't get excited about this, you, you won't. This is this is top class two mile national hunt action. Yeah, absolutely top class stuff. Sky Park getting a favourable a favourable mention there from from Ed at nine to two. A short three to one elsewhere as well. Need to use the odds checker app if you're going to be backing these horses. Uh, Andy, how do you see it? I think he's going to be a popular choice, Sky Park, because he's just the kind of horse that a lot of punters would want to back in a race like this um, on the process elimination basis. Um, you know, Nubi Negra put the kettle on. Coming off the back of long layoffs, there is going to be a pace burn up from the front with Politolog and, and put the kettle on, taking each other on. That's the theory. And, you know, the stalking horse is going to be Sky Pirate with that run under his belt as well. That'll stand him in good stead. And we know he loves, loves the track. Um, and, and he's a grand annual winner. So he's he's clearly um, working his way up the ranks. But I, th- I think from a tip from my perspective, I'd, I'd have to stay low to put the kettle on. Um, having put up at last in last year's... Um, Queen Mother Champion, and to see a battle on up the hill was what was one of the great sights of, of that last that last year's three day, four days for me. Uh, she's just so tough. Um, she won this race last year, albeit not probably as spectacularly as one would have imagined. I think largely due to the fact that it was soft ground, it was really tiring ground, mm. and Aidan Coleman took her around the outside to look for better ground, but she was suffering from wheel spin all the way around. But it was only her courage that got her home. But the genuine good ground, hopefully, that will last all the way through to Sunday will really suit her. Um, and, you know, she only runs two or three times a year, so Henry de Bromham won't come over here and think, oh, we'll just have a little spin round and prep round. He'll have her absolutely bang on for this. She goes really well fresh. Um, and I, I think we'll see her in a much better light than she, she was uh, last year. And don't forget, she's still only a seven-year-old. It's not as if she's been, a, been around the block more times than a tramp's dog. Mm. You know, she's um, she's fairly, fairly um, new to the game, as it were. So... I could see the Sky Pirate angle. He'd be the one I'd be largely worried about. Um, but um, I've, I've got to, I've got to, got to stay alive to put the kettle on. Put the kettle on seven to four favourite pretty much across the boards. Uh, on then to the Great Woods, Andy, we'll stick with you here. No, no ordinary Joe, eleven to two favourite. West Cork, thirteen to two. Adagio, seven to one. Hade Desobo, uh, nine to one. Tritonic, ten to one. Twelve to one bar. Uh, plenty left in there. This is going to cut up a fair bit by Sunday. Um, so a bit of guesswork going on, but who do you, who do you fancy at this stage? Yeah, he's an interesting runner, isn't he? No ordinary Joe. Um, mm. Just had the two runs, but he's only beat nine horses altogether collectively. I just, it's not really my start to tip a horse like him. He's never been to Cheltenham. He's never been in a handicap. We, we don't know how well handicapped he is off one three three, but it, it might not make any difference whatsoever because if he's not used to the hustle and bustle of a great wood, there's going to be like 20 odd runners, you know, in and around him. Pace will be strong. His jumping's going to be tested to the max. Um, and at five to one, just absolutely makes zero appeal to me. Mm. Um, I, I do like my Irish um, handicap hurdle form brought over, brought over to these shores. And there was there was a race run at Listol, which I, I'm, I'm desperately looking to keep on side. I backed Esky Lane. And put it up in my column a couple of a couple of Saturdays ago, and he absolutely bolted up, didn't he, when he won at Down Royal. Um, and the horse that finished second, uh, and the horse that finished fifth, run in this race, uh, namely Boa Boy and Advance Virgo. Uh, Boa Boy's twenty to one. Now, if you don't know this horse, um, you want to go back and look at his form. He's a real strong traveller. He only just got touched off by uh, a nice horse of Dennis Cayley's the time before at the Galway Festival, who was well handicapped. Um, and off a mark of 136 on good ground, I think he'll go very, very well. He's a kind of horse that'll still be there going well, going down to the last at a 20 to 1, five, six places. I'd be more than happy to keep him on side. And you'd always have to factor in Charles Burns, wouldn't you? With, with mm. Advanced Virgo, who finished fifth, as I said that day. Um, he ran really well on the flat the other day at Leopardstown behind a horse called Powerful Aggie. So he's maintaining his form levels quite well. And um, to all intents and purposes, I think the, the, the headgear will be retained one way or the other. And I've noticed that Daryl Jacob is uh, waiting in the wings um, to ride him. So I'll stick to that that list all form. It's a very strong time figure. And I think one of those two will go very close, if not both. Advanced Virgo, 12 to 1, best price at the moment. Boa Boy, as Andy said, 20 to 1. Ed? That, that's a mad price, that is. 
mad price. How about yeah, well, let's, have the, let's have the forecast as well? Why not? Twelve well, and and Andy, you'd be thinking I'm mad with this uh, next tip because I know it's a horse who's definitely on his, his uh, uh, list, and that is a. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't give up my ear on on Tritonic for Alan King. Uh, I thought off one four two. With hindsight, I've watched that race back against. Uh, I like to move it last time, and I think Connections seemed quite happy after. It was a case of getting him back on the track. He was trying to give eight pounds away. I just wonder whether, you know, this is also a lot of kind of big field flat experience where he used to come from off the back of a rattling pace. You know, when he was, you know, second at Royal Ascot, he'd be held up with the ambulance and come past horses and come through a lot of horses at big fields. And I just wonder whether these these three, four runner small field naff affairs, uh, these kind of muddling tactics just aren't really playing to his strength. So that being said, you need to sharpen his jumping up. But I mean, he looked a horse of real excitement in Donis, uh, you know, by all accounts, scoped badly after the triumph. Uh, a bit of a kind of so-so comeback at the October meeting, but uh, kind of got a feeling they, they didn't almost want to show their hand that day and they've kept his mark uh, at 142 for today, uh, put it that way. That'd be my take on it. So I, I just thought with this kind of scenario would suit him a lot more than some of those little small field muddling events. So I think the ground would be fine. Um, I just thought, yeah, as an each way player, he's probably one. And if I was going to go to Vida Field, which I probably will, um, I can't resist one at a big price. Uh, old Ballyandy is absolutely uh, no secrets from that horse, and he's 10 years young. However, he wasn't beaten far in this last year when well, he was second in this last year. He, that was off 154. 12 months later, he's got into it off 146. So, definitely handicapped to go well on old form off an eight pound lower mark. And of course, we know he loves Presbury Park. So, uh, I think it's probably a bit too much uh, uh, going a step too far to imagine him to win this. There's probably a few better horses that are just going to be much better treated on the day than him but he will i'm sure he'll be absolutely wound up to the minute for this he'll run his race and he'll probably run into a place again obviously check your each way terms if you're kind of getting 14 16 to 1 six places or something um mm. i wouldn't put me off bally andy at that type of price so yeah bally andy each way tritonic for me my, my two v the field yeah bally andy 33 to 1 but as we always say if, if you're backing bally andy now and bally andy doesn't doesn't turn up isn't uh, still entered after final decks uh, you do not get your money back so you've got to be careful but 33 to 1 best price at the moment uh, and Tritonic 10 to 1 best price the Supreme Trial next and Andy we mentioned how Novice Hurdles is your bag so we'll come to you first here I like to move it is 7 or 4 favourite ahead of Washington at 4 to 1 uh, Sonagino is 6 to 1 alongside Colonel Mustard Picker and No Ordinary Joe again 8 to 1 Top Bandit 10 to 1 20 to 1 bar, only three others left in at the moment. So it looks like it could be quite a small field, this one. Uh, Andy, where would you be looking to, to have a bet now? Oh, there's an absolute standout bet in this race. Um, I'd say probably the best prize of the whole entire meeting currently. I think this race will cut up as well. So if you back it now, uh, actually, by the time this comes out, you probably won't be able to back it because it'll be Friday morning <laughs> and, the, and the decks will be coming through. But we're, we're in the... Um, Good for the three um, of us. It, yeah, we'll keep it. We'll keep it in house. Yeah, but um, the six to one available for Colonel Mustard um, mm. it is an amazing price. Um, it could be argued that he should be favourite on form because his runs last year were quite extraordinary in, in some of the hottest uh, novice races over, over in Ireland. He, he, he chased home Echoes in Rain, who I think is going to be a very useful mare in and around the Champion Hurdle sort of category for Willie Mullins this this season, and he was closing that 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 filly down in the latter stages in that grade one at Punchestown. Um, they wanted to just get a run in, under his belt and you know get the monkey off his back, as it were, with regards losing their maiden status at Galway the other day. But he tanked through that race like a really good horse. It served the purpose of blowing away the cobwebs. They probably didn't want to come here to Cheltenham, not off the back of a run. They're, they're clearly you know trying to acclimatise him with his track. Um, but he's a very, very good horse, Colonel Mustard. Um, his time figures over in Ireland are very good. He's a better horse than Top Bandit, for instance. I like to move it. Yeah, he won well enough here the last day, but um, still not absolutely totally convinced by him. Washington's an interesting run. He's an interesting run in the sense that I thought Go Dante would come here because mm. they both run on the same card, didn't they? The two divisions yeah. of the novice hurdle and Go Dante and Washington were almost identical as well on the time figures. Circuit times were almost the same. I actually think Washington was... Like half a second quicker than Go Dante, but I thought he was the he was the one that they'd come here with and find out whether he was a supreme horse. But the fact that Washington comes here unbeaten in three runs and represents the informal Ali Murphy stable, I think leads you to believe that he's probably more geared up to this kind of race on good ground than Go Dante, uh, who probably would would want it a bit softer ideally. So he's an interesting runner, but 
there's no way he should be seven to two and Colonel Mustard six to one. As I said, he should be favourite for, for me. Um, so if you, I think there'll be six or seven runners, and if you've got six to one in the can each way for Colonel Mustard, that is an unbelievable bet. Should be favourite Colonel Mustard there for Mandy six to one at the moment, joint third favourite. But he's rated one hundred and forty-four, so. He, mm. Just up purely on ratings, he should be favoured. I think he's got the best form. I think it's only the fact that he's trained by Lorna Fowler, who's not exactly a household name in many over here, that why he's the price he is. Yeah, there you go. Andy Holding in the study with the lead piping. Colonel Mustard, the one for him in the <laughs> Supreme trial. Uh, Ed? No, Andy makes a good points there. Uh, I mean, obviously, fans of I Like to Move It want to see uh, my tip Tritonic run well in the Great Wood. And I suppose if he does, then uh, you could see I Like to Move It's price contract and likewise. Uh, uh, yeah, the Washington was the one I was most interested by. Obviously, uh, uh, repeating a lot of what Andy said there, really, with the Go Dante. Obviously, they've got pretty much two similar horses on what evidence we've seen so far over hurdles. And they, they put Washington in here. And I just like the way in which he went about this business last time out. Looks progressive. Okay. Novice hurdles, as I've said at the start of the show, I generally stay clear of here. Uh, you know, horses just improve eight, 10 pounds just for having another outing and, and we could all be made to look silly. So um, no, I, as a general rule, I'd probably be against I like to move it, even if Tritonic wins for the kind of um, hypocritical viewpoint in the sense that I don't think Tritonic was really at it that day. And I think perhaps I like to move it was slightly flattered. And as I said, don't forget, he was getting eight pounds from Tritonic uh, on that occasion as well. And I do just wonder, you know, he's around seven to four with the markets, uh, you know, not really giving away any prizes there, is it? And I, I think there's others in here with more potential than him, shall we say, would be the, the bottom line. And Washington would definitely be one of those. I think he looks really exciting. Washington there, four to one best price. So a couple to take on the favourite with at this stage. Uh, the final uh, preview in this bumper episode is the Morgiana, where Echoes and Rain, Andy, who you just spoke about a second ago, even money favourite ahead of Saldia at nine to two. Sharjah, nine to two. Abracadabra's five to one. Zanahir, ten to one. Stormy Island, 12 to 1, and uh, Durasso, 33 to 1. Ed, I'll come to you first here. Echoes and Rain, even money, uh, against with a decent bit of quality in behind as well. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm putting out, as I said, all kinds of um, crazy signals, trying to confuse everyone as much as possible. Isn't Echoes and Rain? Right, I've backed Echoes and Rain for the champion hurdle, but I think she's an absolutely abysmal price to win this race. I have the mm. viewpoint she will in time be a slow bird and will make up by the spring into this kind of caliber i mean she's even money to beat some solid yardsticks here i mean she'd be getting 21 pounds from charge if they met in a handicap uh, abracadabra is a multiple grade one winner saudi is rated 162 yes she hasn't had time to show her best but she is priced up as if she's already annie power if that makes sense uh she's 143 mate rated mare uh, I really like her. I wouldn't be shocked if she was lining up in the champion hurdle in, in five months' time with a realistic chance. But to carry my money first time out in this at odds on, uh, not not for me personally. I just, I love her to win. But I just want you, if she finished second in this, uh, as I say on figures, it's far from the biggest shock in the history of the uh, the Morgiana hurdle. So, um, yeah. yeah, race I'm sitting out, but I'm, I'm just happy to watch. And I hope she wins, obviously, through pocket talk for the spring. Yeah, short enough for today, but plenty of respect from Ed. Andy, how do you see it? Yeah, that, I, I tend to go along with uh, <clears throat> Ed with regards to prices. Either handicappers completely lost his marbles and, and not rated a high enough, or the, or the bookmakers have lost theirs and she's way too short. <laughs> at, um, at, oh, I've lost my, oh, I've lost mine. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. the most logical. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, look, with regards like a... a a form guide to Colonel Mustard without bringing him into the equation again. If, if she does win here in, in grade one company, it, it makes the Colonel Mustard project even more appetising and an hour and a half further down the line at Cheltenham across the card because, um, like I say, if Handicap is saying that Echoes in Rain's 143 and, and the mar basically the market's saying that Echoes in Rain's going to be a 160 horse, mm. um, it's almost like um, predicting what's going to happen in the future further down the line, um, then, then Colonel Mustard should be winning at Cheltenham off, off, um, against novices. But yeah, I agree. Zana here is obviously back to form. Shard has been in good form throughout the summer jumping period. He, he's useful. Abacadabra know what he mm. can do. Um, yeah, this is, this is probably a lot deeper than what makes the eye. So yeah, I wouldn't be backing Echoes in either at that short price. 
Anything in particular you'd take take her on with? Um, I, I think at the prices, if the ground stayed on the genuine good side, I, I'd, I'd have half a look at Zana here. He, he was really good at Fairy House on the figures, going right-handed on good ground um, mm. at, the, at the Hatton's Grace meeting last year. And, and that run sticks to the back of my mind. I don't think he was ever quite the same horse since. But what we saw of him on his comeback the other day, he looked pretty good. And I think seven to one probably just is a little bit too big for him for me. So ten, ten to one. Ten to ten one. To, getting... Wow, God. Yeah. That yeah. Is a big price. yeah, I didn't realise. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 is even better. So yeah, I'm thinking he's a big price at seven, but ten, yeah. Three points bigger than then that's got to be seen as value. Well, there you have it. I'm already fairly exhausted by this weekend's racing. We haven't even got there yet. I just think how it's going to be on, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, how, how, many bet, how many bets have you got in line already, George? Which, which, I mean, which ones are, which... I'm not even going to think about it till tomorrow. I don't think I can't. Uh, I can't after, after that. Um, you need to get that no. six to one Colonel Mustard now. Though. Yeah, that, that'll be the plan. Um, thank you very much to Andy and for Ed as ever, and thank you to 888 Sport for sponsoring the episode, and thank you to 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Garrity for joining us as well. Do ensure you you download the Odds Checker app for the very best prices, free bets, bookie offers, place terms, and some of the best tipsters in the game, including Andy himself, for whose tips you can find up on the app at about 9am every morning. Do enjoy the racing. If you see Ed or Andy at the uh, at the, at the the race course on Friday or over the weekend, and uh, most importantly, ensure that you enjoy the racing. And please do gamble responsibly. 